as they had in the old days. What Roger hoped would come out of it was a rebound campaign that would blow the socks off both Old Man Sharp and the kid. Instead of going to Cleveland with their necks shaved for the drop of the guillotine blade, they would show up with battle plans drawn to reverse the effects of the zinger snafu. That was the theory. In practice, they both realized that their chances were about as good as they were for a pitcher who deliberately sets out to throw a no-hitter. Vic had other problems. For the last eight months or so, he had sensed that he and his wife were drifting slowly apart. He still loved her, and he damn near idolized Tad. But things had gone from a little uneasy to bad and he sensed that there were worse things and worse times waiting. Just over the horizon, maybe. This trip, a grand tour from Boston to New York to Cleveland, coming at what should have been their at-home season, their doing-things-together season, was maybe not such a hot idea. When he looked at her face lately, he saw a stranger lurking just below its planes and angles and curves, And the question, it played over and over in his mind on nights when he wasn't able to sleep, and such nights had become more common lately. Had she taken a lover? They sure didn't sleep together much anymore. Had she done it? He hoped it wasn't so. But what did he think? Really? Tell the truth, Mr. Trenton, or you'll be forced to pay the consequences. He wasn't sure. He didn't want to be sure. He was afraid that if he became sure, the marriage would end. He was still completely gone on her, had never so much as considered an extramarital fling, and he could forgive her much, but not being cuckolded in his own home. You don't want to wear those horns. They grow out of your ears, and kids laugh at the funny man on the street. He- What? Vic said, emerging from his reverie. I missed it, Raj. I said that goddamn red cereal, unquote. My exact words. Yeah, Vic said. I'll drink to that. Roger raised his Pilsner glass. Do it, he said. Vic did. Gary Pervier sat out on his weedy front lawn at the bottom of Seven Oaks Hill on Town Road Number 3 about a week after Vic and Roger's depressing luncheon meeting at the Yellow Sub, drinking a screwdriver that was 25% bird's-eye frozen orange juice and 75% pop-off vodka. He sat in the shade of an elm that was in the last stages of rampant Dutch elm disease, his bottom resting against the frayed straps of a Sears Roebuck mail-order lawn chair that was in the last stages of useful service. He was drinking Popoff because Popoff was cheap. Gary had purchased a large supply of it in New Hampshire, where booze was cheaper, on his last liquor run. Popoff was cheap in Maine, but it was dirt cheap in New Hampshire, a state which took its stand for the finer things in life, a fat state lottery, cheap booze, cheap cigarettes, and tourist attractions like Santa's Village and Six-Gun City. New Hampshire was a great old place. 
The lawn chair had slowly settled into his run-to-riot lawn, digging deep divots. The house behind the lawn had also run to riot. It was a gray, paint-peeling, roof-sagging shambles. Shutters hung. The chimney hooked at the sky like a drunk trying to get up from a tumble. Shingles blown off in the previous winter's last big storm still hung limply from some of the branches of the dying elm. It ain't the Taj Mahal, Gary sometimes said, but who gives a shit? Gary was, on this swelteringly hot late June day, as drunk as a coot. This was not an uncommon state of affairs with him. He did not know Roger Breakstone from shit. He did not know Vic Trenton from shit. He didn't know Donna Trenton from shit, and if he had known her, he wouldn't have given a shit if the visiting team was throwing line drives into her catcher's mitt. He did know the Cambers and their dog Cujo.